Welcome to the Profitable Franchisees podcast. Today's episode is episode number 46. And today I'm interviewing Damien from Shingle Inn. And I think you're going to really love this interview. Um, I do need to tell you a little story about what happened once I hit stop after we'd recording. And uh, Damien and I chatted for at least another half an hour after we finished recording the podcast. And I really am kicking myself now that I didn't leave it just record. So we're going to have to have Damien come back because there were so many more things that he could add value to you or with and, you know, simple things like we were talking about that he he really was kicking himself that he didn't talk about that he's got three kids that are also now old enough to be working in the business with him and his wife and, and that's how they're achieving that work-life balance in the family because they all go off to work together. There were so many key points. So I think I'm going to have to start doing that is having like – the interview after the podcast or the after podcast chat. So let me know if you like that idea, but I'll stop talking. Let's get in through to the intro and then let's talk to Damien from Shingle Inn. And I think you're going to really love this interview. Tracy Leake and I've been supporting franchisees to build profitable businesses and lives for more than a decade. I'm the first to say that business is far simpler than we make it. So how do you build a successful and profitable franchise business without the stress and struggle? Welcome to the Profitable Franchisees Podcast. Damien, excited that you've joined us today on the Profitable Franchisees podcast. I've been looking forward to interviewing you. So you're from Shingle Inn and it was actually funny because I was having a cup of tea with Louise from Head Office, one of the franchisors, and I said, was telling her about the podcast and I said, who, who should I interview from Shingle Inn? And without even thinking in two seconds, she said, oh, you've got to interview Damien from Eastland. So I've met you, so I, I know you, but um, I've been very excited to have you join us. So I thought for a start, why don't you tell us a little bit about Shingle Inn and what you actually do? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And of course, Louise will throw me under the bus like that. <laughs> obviously, obviously, she knows I talk a lot. So obviously, she thinks I'm the best person here. Uh, but I am. I work at Shingle and Eastland down in Victoria. I'm one of two franchisees, uh, my wife being the other franchisee. And a little bit about Shingle Inn. Um, Shingle Inn uh, was established in 1936 in Brisbane. It's based on an old English tea house. It was built on Edward Street originally during part of the Great Depression. It's also only been owned by two families, so it's only changed hands once since it first opened. Uh, originally the Webster's and now the Bell Chambers. Uh, it closed its doors in 2002 and then reopened in City Hall in 2013 with the original decor, everything exactly the same as it originally did before it closed. One of the best things that we do as a franchisee when we go up to training up in Queensland is they take us to the Shingling City Hall store where we actually get to sit in the original and just see what it used to look like back in the day and, you know, how they've kept the historical, like the value of it and the, you know, traditional look of it, you know, and it's really, it's like you're stepping back in time when you look in, when you walk into that, that cafe or the well, city hall itself, it's, it's breathtaking really if you um, walk in there. And you're so right. And it's actually a, a real tourist spot. People often say you have to go to Shingle Inn and check it out. It's the original. And you talk to lots of people. Like one of my clients, one of my other franchise or clients talks about 
when their grandmother used to take them to Shingalin. And, you know, if you're from Brisbane, Queensland, you, you everybody knows about it. It's extremely iconic and it's amazing how big of a journey it is. Franchising isn't actually all that old in Australia in comparison to the world, but you look at that. Like what year did you say Shingalin started? 1936. Wow. You know, that's, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it was, like I said, during the Great Depression and, you know, during a world war, you know, and a global financial crisis as well in 2007. So it survived through, to its great credit, survived through a lot of things in this country that's happened to it. And like all the stories, even down in Melbourne, uh, we get people who come to our store who remember when they were younger living in Brisbane or have family up in Brisbane. They've come, oh, they used to go there and get cakes there and, you know, such things like that. So even down in Melbourne where it's still not really known as, as Queensland, but we still get people coming in and telling us. Oh, I just, I just love that aspect of it. And it's so many lessons in business from that. Like a lot of people are always worried about depressions and recessions and war and all of those things. And they talk about some of the biggest companies in the world actually started in the hardest times. And I think when you're in a good business, it doesn't matter if times are good or if times are tough, it will survive. So how long ago was it since that you joined Shingalin as a franchisee and, and what were you and your wife doing before Shingalin? Let's see, I, ooh, 2016 I started uh, in May 2016, me and my wife. Prior to that, my lovely wife background is in accounting, um, so lots of numbers, a lot of number crunching there. And for me, I've been working in hospitality since I was 14, but notably in the last probably 10 years prior to Shingalin, I have been working uh, in Crown, in fine dining and all aspects of hospitality from back of house, room service, bars, uh, nightclubs, you know, just the whole, the Crown pretty much gave me my education in hospitality. Yeah, and it's true, isn't it? It is an education to learn hospitality. It's not that easy to just think, you know, in Shingalin you're serving coffee and cake. Like, there is actually an art form to it of doing it well. And especially I'm sure your fine dining experience obviously put a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge into your pocket to be able to transfer that to your own business. Do you find that you pull on a lot of those those things that you learnt? It's 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 funny, it's like muscle memory for me these days where you know, when I'm younger I learn, you know, you have to train your body like carrying plates, carrying tray, learning how these things, how you talk to people, you know, what, how to, one of the best things hospitality I feel gives me is a good sense how to read people, you know, be able to see people at their tables and be like, okay, you can, you kind of want to predict what they want before they want it, you know, upselling and things like that. You can, you can read people subtle, subtle cues into how to deal when you approach the table, you know, when's a good time to approach the table. Like there's a lot of things that hospitality that I picked up over the way that I, instill into my business as well as training in my staff as well. Like things like two minute check. When you deliver food and coffee, give it two minutes and then check it. So that way there's an issue, we can fix it straight away. We're really fast. So it really helps with customer service. So things like that does help in fine dining, but also transfer well into all aspects of other hospitality. It's amazing. Like I've been doing the podcast for a little while now and it amazes me every single time. Like I've been in the the coaching space, working with franchisees for 15 years. And it amazes me every single time I do an interview with someone that I learn something that I go, wow, you know, that's a real subtlety I've never thought about. And I've never thought about 
how much of a skill that would be to read people. And you're right. Like you can tell if someone's sort of like, oh, something's wrong or, you know, getting that vibe that they they need something more or they seem to be sitting around chatting more so it's a good opportunity to go and see if they want more. I know there's plenty of times I'd be sitting in shingling and going, yeah, I'll take another cake, thanks. Yep, that that would be right, fine by me. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, like, especially one of my attributes that I added, like with bar, like something like bartending, you know, in that situation, be able to read people when they intake their drinking, you read their cues there, how they talk, their body language, you know, tone of voice, these type of things. Like, it's really, it's funny how they transfer, like I said before, into like customers at the table or, you know, when, when you approach the till and you can, just a quick second to re- you can like I, you just read someone instantly or try and read like their facial expression there how they're standing and you should like for me I should be able to determine how I should handle this person it comes automatically it's you know it's a lot of experience and a lot of you know dedication of learning over the years but like they, these type of skills that I picked up really helped me in my business. So how do you transfer that? Because it seems to me like you've picked up a lot and I have this saying where I say, you know, to your team, you have to do what you do instinctually, you have to teach deliberately. So how do you actually teach someone in that way to pick up on that visual cue? You know, is there certain things that you see or do you do it more like a, look, can you see that person there? This is what it is. How, how do you actually transfer that skill to them? Well, that's, that's a really tough tough question it's you know you need people to obviously younger generation you know everyone learns differently you can give pointers like how to like see how this person is like how they're standing or how their tone of voice when like say I'm training someone on the till you know when you hear their tone of voice or something like that someone might not be having a good day so their tone of voice is coming through a bit more harsher or a bit more bit more full on than you know being like lighter or like just like things like that I can turn around to say you know you see notice these things you if when you notice these things adjust how you speak to them that way you can help if they're not happy they're not having a good day you know just make sure you know just add a bit more positivity just be a bit more you know just a little bit more over the top with your personality just to make them feel comfortable and, you know, you really care. Think Just things like that I can point out. You know, obviously on their own, they're going to pick up things on their own, cues like that, but just general little things like that I can help with. Hey, I hope you are really enjoying today's podcast. I just wanted to tell you about the free Profitable Franchisees Monthly Insider. I bring to you a really valuable business lesson each and every month delivered straight to your inbox and it's 100% free. Grab yours today at www.profitablefranchisees.com. Yeah, you can see why Louise told me I should be interviewing you. I mean, I think that's just unreal. And I think that transfers just as a sidetrack for everyone listening. You know, I'd be really asking yourself that same question, the same as what Damien's been doing. Are you reading your customers? Are you seeing those visual cues? And then are you on training that to your team? And really picking up on that. So such an important point. So when you got into Shingalene and you became a franchisee, what was the hardest thing for you to master about your business seeing you had that hospitality experience and also your wife had the accounting experience? What did the two of you find the hardest to actually do in your business? Well, uh, it's funny enough for me, uh, when I was working in Crown, I was training to be stepping up to be a supervisor at the time before I actually quit and started the business. So my weakness is actually the behind the scenes, the business type. So the number crunching, 
understanding like all like things to do with your KPIs and also your P&Ls and things like that and cost of goods and things like that where my wife's strength is in that area. So I guess for both of us, it's actually really good because our balance is really strong where my front of house experience dealing with people is really strong and hers is with the back of house, like, you know, obviously dealing with that type of paperwork or understanding these type of things where you have to put reports in. So together, you know, we help, we've helped each other over the years. Obviously, she's a bit more adaptable than I am, I could say. But, you know, that's probably the hardest thing for me going in and for her, vice versa, you know. So teaching her, like teaching her, helping her, with like learning how to make coffee, you know, holding tra- like you know, holding plate, three-plate carry, things like that. I can, you know, just like any normal stuff, I, you know, to teach her and help her refine that. And she, over the years, is trying to help, do her best to help me understand these things so I can be helpful when she's, you know, when you're in a business, when you're super busy all the time, you come home, you're tired, you don't really want to do paperwork. So to be able to help her, you know, do my best I can. And I asked like a million questions to her. And even if it's the same question over and over and over again, she's really nice enough to really... A little bit annoyed in her tone of voice, but still happy to uh, still happy to give me a hand, so that way I can help her out as well. I think that's really important when you're working as a couple to know what each other's strengths are and back each other up. And it's always hard too. Oftentimes, if you've never worked together, you you see a different side of your partner. And working as a couple can be one of the hardest things in business, especially when you come home at night because. The other thing is you don't hold back. You'll tell each other the truth and not necessarily in the best way. So it's so good to hear that you had different strengths and you were able to help each other. And I can tell you right now, I doubt I would be able to carry three plates. I think I'm a bit of a klutz. I'm pretty guaranteed I have trouble carrying one cup of tea on a saucer without spilling it. So, you know, I I take that as a fairly high-rated skill, to be honest. (laughs) So um, you're going to love my next question now that you've mentioned that because – I have been talking a lot about KPIs, key performance indicators recently. And so I put it on my list because it's been like the key topic I've had in the last two weeks. So what sort of things are you measuring in your business? Okay. Well, I guess a couple of things come to my mind. One, I guess one of the main things is obviously our wages. We we try to measure week to week. We do our best to try and keep try and meet the standard what the franchise or you know suggests that to stay with, which I think is around like twenty two percent, and we try our best to to meet that standard as best as we can to help our business, and to obviously to measure it, you know, obviously depending week to week, day to day, it's you can look at your records from last week or last year on the same day and try and think, okay, that day was busy, you know, or last week was busy on this day, you know, do we need more staff or do we less staff? Or if it's not that busy, we can send staff home. So we have like, that's obviously one of the main ones that we look at. Also, our other one is our ATV, our average average transaction value. Basically, we want to just make sure that our ATV is high as possible. We do on a daily basis, roughly around 170 customers, uh, up to 5,000 transactions a month. Now, our ATV in this area, it can be low, even though we have such high customer, high turnover. It's one of those key things we try our best to, we continue to try and strive to be better and try and increase our sales. So we, we look at that daily, like hourly even. We have a system set up where we can check our ATV live in our system. So we know exactly how we're going minute to minute, hour to hour. So that, and also another one is cost of goods, just trying to keep our wastage down 
just make sure we're recording, we're following the recipes right, and that's why we're keeping cost of goods down to help save money and, you know, things like that. Whew, that was daunting. <laughs> you did very well. I was very impressed by that after you said that you weren't good at KPIs. I was like, oh, no, you're right on top of this. That's awesome. I think that the key there you made as well is is talking about a lot of those things like staffing costs you you don't want them to you don't want that percentage to be too low either you don't want it too high and be overstaffed but you also don't want it too low because your customer service will suffer from it and so it is always like you've got three different balls in the air that you're trying to juggle to to find it especially when you don't know who's about to walk in the door you know we must keep you there and you know i think that's something everyone needs to know and and it's funny because you came back with three main KPIs and I think a lot of times, I mean, I'm sure there's other things that you measure and other things you look at, but three main things you look at, you've got to know which are the the hot buttons of your business that are going to actually make the biggest difference. So obviously those three things make difference to your profit. And if you get them really wrong, it can make a big difference to your profit. Would I be right? 100%. We do our best to, and with the help of, you know, our area manager, Melinda and also like people such as like Louise and the head office, they're very helpful to that. If we do um, have any issues, we're, we're not, you know, don't be afraid to ask them because they can, they might have suggestions or things that might help you, you know, just look at things a bit differently and that can just affect how you do things and can make the biggest difference in the world. So just on a little side note here, so we should just let everyone know, Melinda, your your man- field manager, she just won Field Manager of the Year in Australia at the Franchise Council Awards and it was so exciting. Were you proud of her? Oh, like uh, we're, how, we work with Melinda very closely and she is absolutely amazing. She's very, very, you could say she's high octane energy. Melinda, she's very, she's very optimistic, very, which is good. And she, she herself is hospitality background as well. Like she used to be a chef and, you know, she understands the pressures and the stress and the frustration of owning a business and working in long hours. So she's really good at being like boots on the ground. She's been in there in the trenches. So she knows what it's like. So she's really easy to draw on and she gets it. So she's really helpful and, you know, we cannot be proud of her and, you know, also for her also telling all of us a hundred times that, that she won and actually, no, I'm kidding. She didn't, tell, but, but it, I just, I'm just um, very happy for her and she, she's a very big part of our, our business and also the franchise as well. So very lucky to have her. Oh yeah. Uh, you'll be pleased to know on the night. Uh, it was probably the first time I've ever spoken to her where she was kind of speechless. I went over to talk to her and she was she couldn't get the words out. I'm like, well, this is a first, isn't it? <laughs> you know. Um, so it's, it's a rare. It's it's a rarity. <laughs> I think it's important, and and the reason I brought that up is is that you know you've also won lots of awards. We'll talk that about that in a second. But how important it is is to have such a good relationship with that person at head office, with your field manager, and even the way you spoke about her. It's obvious that you know you really draw on her and utilise her skills to help you best in your business. And I think it's one of those things a lot of franchisees don't utilise is to get that relationship with your field manager because they're there to help you. And it's so good in the way Melinda talks about you as well. You can tell that it's it's a mutual respect that means that you you succeed more. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very grateful for her and she's always from – she started at Shingling I think around – the same time we started, I think I was going 
through training when she was coming in. So I met her up in Queensland during the her initial training and she helped be our our nester when we first opened so she was there for the first two weeks to really help us get us in the put our put the right foot forward from the get-go and like you said our head office being having a good relationship with the head office is also great and the best thing about our franchise is that uh, it is family owned it's very very tight knit and to have like the owner of the franchise come down for a random visit just to check up on the store how everything's going and if you know have any issues not afraid to just you know send me an email talk to me about things you know you know get their point of view so I feel that's a really great asset to have and to um, to tap into to have someone that who runs this massive business and still able to have a down-to-earth conversation about anything or you're not too sure about things. So I feel like I feel very, very lucky and very honoured to be a part of it, a part of the team and, you know, continue to help the business grow. Yeah, I think that a lot of people will spruik. <laughs> I don't know how else to say that, that they have family values and something I can say without a doubt is Shingling has family values because it is still family and they treat their franchisees like members of their family and and it comes through. It comes through every time you walk into a shingle in, you can get that feeling and that starts from the franchisor and goes down. Hey, I hope you're enjoying today's podcast. If you want to hear more, then come over to www.profitablefranchisees.com and learn how you can gain access to all of our podcasts from the past and, of course, into the future. So in the food and beverage world, in cafe world, it's a pretty competitive space. There is a lot of cafes out there, you know, owner-operators who pop up and sometimes disappear and, you know, franchises and things. How, how do you cope with that competition and, and how do you get to stand out from the crowd? How do you make yourselves the preferred choice for your customers to come to? Well, that, that's, it, it is, that is a tough question to answer because in, because we work in a shopping center, um, cafes in a shopping center is, is like a, it is a cutthroat business. they they pop up everywhere. In our, in our strip alone, there's about eight cafes within a hundred meters. So it's, wow. it's very daunting. It's very daunting. Um, you know, how close, everyone is to you. Some cafes are literally five meters away from each other, like just across from each other. So being competitive is very like a very hot, like it's, it's, you have to, you, ugh, I can't really explain it. It's just, yeah, you, you have to be really competitive with everyone else. I guess for us that makes us stand out is quality, consistency, and good service. These two, these three things, I believe we do very well and how we have very repeat customers. And then you know, word of mouth is massive. When we first opened, they say your first 12 to 15 months of your business is the most toughest because you need to establish yourself. You need to put yourself out there and you show everyone who you are. You know, And that first 12, 15 months, that's what we did. We concentrated on quality of food, quality of coffee, you know, quality of service, consistency, staying consistent. And basically, we're operating for over three years now. And I think in the last 12 probably the 12, 15 months now, we've been doing things like putting ourselves out there, collaborating with small businesses in the center, doing things like with delivery service to anywhere in the center, you know, getting our name, getting on the other side of the shopping center so people know who we are, where people are willing to either come across, come across over here 
even though they work over there or they prefer to, but they always over there where they park over there. They, they make the trip over to us or we deliver to them. So it's, it's really things like that, getting out, working with sports clubs, charities. That's really the last 15, 12 to 15 months, we've been really pushing hard to let, out, let everyone know where, who we are and where we are. Yeah, that's a really good point, isn't it? Because it's funny, I can remember, oh, it must be, it's more than 10 years ago and there was a, a guy that opened up a cafe just on his own and for some reason I ended up in front of him and I said to him, right, so how's it going? He said, well, we opened three weeks ago and we're not very busy. And I said, great, what marketing are you doing? And he said, well, we've got the signs up and we open the door. And I was like, well, that's not marketing, that's just opening your doors. Like there's so many people and someone once told me and I – Actually, when I think about it, I think it was Pat who does the franchise recruitment at Shingling who told me so many people look at cafes to buy and they think that they're going to have a – he called it a latte lifestyle, so I'm sure it was Pat. And he said, you know, people think that opening a cafe, you're just going to sit out the front and drink your lattes all day and watch your cafe work and they forget that you've got to get out there. And how many business owners don't get out of their business? Like I I so love that you're getting out in the community and – you know, you, you, you're really pushing it out there because that's that's smart. That's just smart, Damien. And I think that's a lesson for everybody listening is, is like, when was the last time you got out? I'm just even thinking that, like, gee, I need to get out more. You know, I need to get out and so you're in front of people so that they can see you because business is no like trust, but they won't ever come to you and like and trust you if they don't know you exist. So yeah. commendable. That's fantastic. Yeah, uh, and one of the other things, I guess, I mean, as well as getting out there, one of the other things we work hard on is in our business and our shop, you know, creating a good atmosphere for our customers to come in. Like we have customers that have been coming with us since we've opened or they sometimes they come every day just to have a coffee, read the paper, have some breakfast. But then we start to notice over time those customers start talking to other customers and then they become friends and then they come and meet up together and then they bring their friends. So not only are we putting stuff there, but we're really working hard to make sure we build a nice intimate relationship with our repeat customers. And then word of mouth is our greatest uh, advantage we have over other competition. So the bigger our, our customers talk about us, you know, repeat customers come back and then we get new customers. So we really try and create an, a very intimate um, relationship. Even I encourage my staff to really get to know our customers, you know, know what they like. So you know, like when they're coming, we know what they want. So we can have it ready quick, service fast and, you know, and really, and I've got customers that know about my family, know who I am, knows when my, my kids' birthdays and vice versa. So it's a really intimate process as well. That's fantastic. So I mentioned earlier that pretty much I think you've won every award possible at Shingle Inn from Rookie of the Year right through to the big one. So congratulations, first of all. But what do you think has set you apart? You know, like you've said 2016, so really just on three, four years since you started, what have you done that has made you so good? What I mean, I can pick some stuff out from what you're talking about. I'm sure our listeners can pick it out. But what do you think you've focused on that's really helped you build your business and, and get to that point where you're really being recognised? Well, first of all, thank you very much for your kind words. It's, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very honour. Uh, when we first opened our business, I never expected that we were well, – we didn't have the goal to win those awards. But obviously, you know, we found a way naturally without even 
thinking too hard, but it just, you know, we just did the natural thing and it just, you know, it, it, it fell a bit of luck and it fell that way. And we are very honored, my, my, my family and my team for the awards that we've been given. But I think what our store and what we do our best, like to do our best in our store is that we like being very competitive in our store. Like we like having, and we, I feel we have a very strong pride in our store to be the best we can be, even among the rest of the Shingalim family. You know, we want to be better. We have uh, on our system, we have like a live ladder. We can't see, we can see positions of the stores in the state or in the country. So we know where we are, you know, like how we're, how we're traveling and stuff like that. So I use that as an indicator to be, you know, to know, okay, we're sitting like third. We want to be first. So we want, you know, it really, I like if you see that, you're like, oh, I'm third. I want to be first or oh, I'm second or oh, I'm first. I want to stay first, you know. So it really, when I look at those things, I, and same with my wife for that, we, we look at it, we really want to push ourselves to stay in that top spot. And I think also putting time and effort into our staff, you know, giving them an environment to, when they come into work, they're very happy, they like working because if they're happy, they're going to work hard for you, you know, and that's what you want. You want a nice, happy team to work hard for you. And also, you know, for that, we have staff that we trust and things like by putting trust in and training, if they want to learn how to make coffee and things like that, you know, we want to put the effort in because in the end, all the effort we put into them, they're going to give it back to us because we might have won the awards, but realistically, it was a team effort. Without the staff, we wouldn't have won. Yeah, I love hearing that because there's something to be said when you can achieve something as a team and the people, I mean, I've seen, I've been to lots of awards <laughs> events and it's always great because the people when they are achieving these results and are winning, they're always the ones who are proud of their team. They're always the ones who acknowledge that they didn't get there alone. And also, I like a healthy dose of competitiveness. I think that a little bit of a competitive spirit is always good if you use it for good, not for for malice or for misinterpretation. You know, you're not trying to do something bad to someone else. But it's it's always great to have that internal competitive spirit of how can I be better. And I was talking to a franchise all last week, and he said that's one of his biggest frustrations is is when people set a goal, they get it, and then they go, oh okay, and then they just cruise. He's like, no, once you've got it, then you go for the next one, like you know, come on, you, we can do more, we can do better. And so a, a healthy dose of competitive spirit always takes a business a long way. So for our listeners out there, I have one more question for you and we always finish on this question is, what are your top tips for other franchisees out there that are listening to the podcast on how to grow a successful franchise business? What What are your top tips for them? Oh, ooh, that's a toughie. Um, I can, I'll try and think a couple on the top of my head. Well, I mean... F- like like I said before, I'll use what I said before. If you work if you work in a shopping center, cafe and non cafe, it doesn't matter. But I feel you know putting yourself out there, collaborating with other businesses. Uh, remember, also remember that staff that work in the center are customers as well, and they play a bigger role in the success of your business because they're there. They come to work like three or four times a week, so they are can be your massive repeat customers. So I try and feel that we could tap into though if we could tap into that that source, you know, it could be beneficial for us. I guess what else I could say? Also, like before I said, staff are great assets to your to your team to have. One of the best things about staff is that they might see things that you don't or they might have ideas that you don't see or don't think of. And because they work with customers and they're on the floor and in the trenches, you know, they see things that maybe 
we're too busy focused on like, oh, we have to hit this goal or we've got to do this and worry about this, but we don't see other things. So when we come to things like Christmas, you know, staff might give us pointers or a point of view that we never thought of. So putting, like I said, putting time and effort and creating a good environment for your staff can be really beneficial for you. And I guess I guess I can't leave a tip without using a tip from Melinda who won the field manager of the year <laughs> across all businesses. One of the things she likes to say is that uh, you need to put your heart in your business. You know, you can't you can't expect your staff to do everything for you and to let your business run itself without direction. So, you, you know, things that, I think that's really something that really hits hits home. Hopefully I said it right, Belinda, if I quoted that correctly, but I believe that's how she says it. <laughs> uh, we'll go with it. Yeah, okay, I'll just roll <laughs> with it. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I can think of the top of my head. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. I'm going to so R&D that one. R&D means rip off and deliver, by the way. Um, That's a a great one. I love Melinda. I think she's awesome stuff she does. So it's fantastic. You know, Damien, it's been so delightful to talk to you today and probably actually not what I expected of how we would talk today and some of the things that you came out with. So I, I have been listening and actually I've taken some notes, which is always a good sign when I do a an interview that if I'm taking notes of like, oh, that was a good point and that was a good point. So thank you so much for adding value. I do have a bonus question for you. Before we got on the podcast, we were both talking about that we love listening to podcasts and audio books. So putting you right on the spot, what's your favourite audio book that you've listened to? Well, um, I'm a massive, massive Star Wars fan. Uh, so at the moment I am reading a audio book at the moment before the last movie comes out and it's called, if I remember the top of my head, <laughs> uh, Resistance Reborn. So it's the last book before, prior to the movie comes out in December. So I'm just reading up about it, just getting it. So I'm a massive Star Wars fan. So I like to read audio, listen to audio books in my spare time when, I, when I'm driving, stuff like that. Um, and other things like other hobbies and stuff I like to do. Like I like, um, <laughs> I like things like uh, Japanese culture or Korean culture. So I like listening to things about, you know, music or their drama because my wife background is Indonesian. So, you know, having a different culture in my household, you know, gives me a chance to look at other things besides, you know, Western culture. So things like that. Oh, and I have to say there is so many business lessons in Star Wars that it's absolutely mandatory viewing to do it. Yoda especially has lots of business lessons and you'll be pleased to know that uh, yesterday I was online getting ready to book my tickets for Christmas Day to go and see the last Star Wars movie. So I'm there with you. I love Star Wars. Um, I don't know if I'd be quite as big a fan as you somehow. I get the feeling I might not geek out enough on it, but I certainly love it. So (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. And everybody, if you've enjoyed Damien's podcast today and his interview with him today, please tell other franchisees, especially those in food and beverage, I think this would be super helpful to them. But I think a lot of the lessons you gave today apply to if you're in a service business, a professional services business, it all comes under it. And it was such a wealth of knowledge. So Thank you so much, Damien. Everybody tell someone to come and listen to it because it was a great interview. Thank you very much for the opportunity and, you know, obviously I want to make a big thank you to Louise for suggesting me and, you know, it was a – I'm sure, like you said before, she was very quick to 
suggest me because obviously she knows I like to talk a lot. So thank you, Louise. And I like to leave you with a quote from Yoda from Star Wars, and it also helps in business. Um, do and do not, there is no try. That's it. I love it. Thanks so much, Damien. Bye. <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to come over to the Profitable Franchisees website for more episodes of the podcast and to also grab your copy of the Profitable Franchisees Monthly Insider. It's not a standard newsletter. There's a monthly business lesson to really add value to your business and it's 100% free. You can get it all at www.profitablefranchisees.com. Can't wait for you to join us on the next podcast. <music>